let us actually officially kick things off now that we're three minutes into the the chitter chatter, which is funny. Whenever I do the audio only versions of the podcast, I always get like people complaining about like, I don't like all the chatter in the beginning. I'm like, so I chop to <laughs> chop that stuff off anyway. So, hey everyone, happy Friday. Let's just roll the intro and get right into this thing. So, happy Friday, everyone. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Digital Cash Rundown. Uh, I'm joined by the one and only Scott C. Business, a.k.a. Scott Cunningham, a.k.a. the deluder of milk and juices, a.k.a. the crypto mastermind, a.k.a. number one ham. How's it going, man? I love it. I love it. It's uh, <laughs> it's going good, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you're, you got a birthday coming up soon, if not like now ish right is it this weekend yeah it's uh it's sunday the ninth nice well i don't have a stream on sunday so that's why we're doing it now but yeah well happy birthday yeah. um i hope you have a great birthday weekend might as well start it off with something good here so in case yeah for everyone who watched the show many times before you might know something different uh, i have my coin tree thing blocked out because um we are paywalling scott today but it's not on my coin tree it's on his so if you go to cointr.ee slash Scott C. Business, Scott is in Scott, C. is in Cunningham, business is in, you know, I mean serious business. You just go there, you leave a tip, and it should jump up on the, the Super Chat. Now, I will, disclaimer, the Super Chat is a little wonky. Let me just show right here. <laughs> it, it is a little wonky since I added this little you know, special thing, but you know, whatever it should show up. This was the last, um, tip it got from, uh, the nudge. Hi nudge, by the way, he hopefully he's watching, um, on thinking you had to teach him whatever, but I will read it off regardless, even if it's not, doesn't show up, but just know that it's there. I'll be keeping an eye on the actual thing and answering any stuff. So, uh, Scotty sees paywalled and yeah, Let's just dive right into the stuff. So first off, not really a headline necessarily, but just just life. Um, how you been handling the dip? Yeah, that that is definitely the uh, the big one. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's nothing we haven't seen. I mean, like with mm -hmm. like Elon Musk tweets and stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely like it's definitely not ideal. Um, I still anticipate a big like rise before we see like an actual crash. Cause I, I mm -hmm. wouldn't say any of these have been like a crash. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing, but I mean, either way, I know crypto is a long-term game. When I first got in, I got in before the 2017, 2018 crash. I know what this is all about. It's just a waiting game and obviously picking the uh the good the 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 good you know cryptos the best fundamentals etc i i was just making a video today and i was saying mm -hmm. um i don't think it's as much about like finding the 100x gem it's more about like having good financial discipline personal financial skills budgeting um just like doing all the the right things it's not really about like finding the perfect perfect asset i would say and 
And that's the way that I've been going forward and going about it. So for me, it's not like, oh, like, do I, did I pick something wrong? Do I need to change things? It's more about like, just keep doing what I'm doing. Keep staying the path. And yeah. Yeah. That's definitely uh, like, it is funny how uh, so many people like, in previous crypto cycles, I feel like maybe I'm I'm just biased to my own life story because I came about to, in leading up to the 2013 bull run, and I mean that was the first time that any crypto like crested a thousand like that anyone paid attention. These other bull runs were just were it was all like micro community stuff, but this is like mm. people wrote articles and mainstream article like news outlets about crypto for the first time. People were like, "Well, oh my gosh, what's this Bitcoin stuff doing?" and you know, for that to go crash down, I don't know how many people were like, "Oh, it's all over." I I remember crypto people who were like, "Oh, you know, this sucks." I, you know, I all my money's in crypto, and it's like I don't have as much. But no one was like, "Oh, this is it. This is the end." But then 2017 was different. That was like the era of BitConnect and stuff, and just mm -hmm. all this crap going up. Oh, IOTA's going forever, and like just and then it all goes back down. And I mean, first off, do you really think that this is the start? of the bear market or do you think it's just like the lull before the storm that it's really by march we're gonna have like the the melt everyone's faces off thing yeah i think uh i definitely think this was like the lull before the storm i i've been anticipating the huge rise i mean i follow mm -hmm. the bitcoin having theories as being mm -hmm. very impactful and substantial and we really haven't seen that crazy run up and crash like we normally do yeah, And we've also got ETH 2.0 on the way, hopefully, soon. So, yeah, I really think uh, this is like the calm before the storm. And uh, I'm still super bullish. And, yeah, I mean, I, I also thought it was interesting that like right before the big dip, uh, Safe mm -hmm. Moon um, rugged for the second time, which I thought <laughs> I, I didn't know if that was somehow aligned, but like I thought that was wild. Yeah, they should rebrand as unsafe wrecked. Because it's neither safe nor moon. Just, yeah. Just... Well, I watch them rug a third time. I mean, you've got safe Mars. You've got all these other ones that are also just like trying to copy it too. So much nonsense. I think Soldier <laughs> Boy actually endorsed safe Mars before that rugged. Uh, so many, so much nonsense. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, according to just the way I've seen stuff happen, it doesn't feel like we had the, the peak it, according to four-year cycle theory, which, you know, this is all like TA nonsense that I just, I don't really care about. That's not what I'm in it for. But according to that stuff, it seems like we've already seen the best of it. And you're already seeing some people showing some bear sentiment. Uh, Peter Schiff is having a field day already, which is nice. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm hopeful for another big old blow off before that. But it's kind of funny, like... There's so much money in the space now, and so many projects, like back in the early days, it was, you know, donation-only kind of things. People figured out, or they, they mm -hmm. got a foundation together. And then in the advent of DAOs, there's been shockingly few DAOs, actually. It's been like, you know, Dash obviously kicked it off, at least in the major the major DAOs. There's always this argument of like, well, was BitShares first, or did that count? But BitShares isn't really a, a I don't know if they're really a thing anymore, but uh, then like there's a decred, there's like a couple others, but then of course there's the big old VC 
boom where everything just almost Ethereum style had like giant ICO type stuff. And I guess you could call it the Solana age of today. And what are they going to do in the bear market? Because that's, I think, the real test of like longevity. Anyone can keep growing and doing stuff when you have oodles of money. But if you're still here mm-hmm. when everything's crashing, like that was like the the bear market bottom was when you started hearing like, you know, Ethereum Classic start to lay off all their development team or whatever it was. I I'm not being factually correct necessarily here. I'm just what I remember. But I remember mm-hmm. at the bottom of the the last this last bear market, um, you saw a lot of like dev teams folding, and that's the real that's going to be the real thing. I want to I want to see if people are insulated against in this coming time. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And and, and also on the DAOs thing, um, I'm seeing a mm-hmm. lot more like kind of like, I don't know what the right word is, like maybe not shilly, but like just sketchy kind of like potentially scammy DAOs popping up. Um, yeah, everything's a DAO. Two, right off the top of my head. Recently, someone was like, oh, like check this DAO out, maybe invest in this. Uh, you can stake. I looked at both of them and I was like, you got to be joking. Like, wonderland.time uh ticker time you can stake in their dow and they claim you'll get 65,000 apy well now you know what the the old saying is true time equals money yeah um, apparently apparently you can put in a dollar and get $65,000 in a year like in yeah. what world right like and then the other dow was like six thousand percent apy like apparently if you're a dow no financial logic applies anymore and people are like yeah but like it could work and it looks pretty cool and it's like what is this thing before it glitches off the screen again but you got a a super chat hey scott will this upcoming bear market for btc not drop as much because of institutional investments oh it's already gone So, what do you think? You think it's not going to be as low that is because a... of institutional investments? Yeah, I've always said that. Like, I don't think we'll ever go pat like below the previous all time high from the previous cycle, essentially, because every time mm-hmm. we get such a padding from institutions that there's mm-hmm. just no way that they're going to sell at a loss. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, I just don't see us going below like. 30 35,000. I mean, that's almost scary to even say that we could go that low, but um mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I don't think that would ever happen again. So I'm always kind of framing it in my mind that we're never going to go below the previous like major all-time highs because of the amount of institutional money that comes in to hold that up. But mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that's not guaranteed or anything like that. That's just the way that I'm looking at it. Um but yeah, I'm still pretty bullish on on Bitcoin and, and Ethereum at least for the next three to six months depending on where the rise and fall happens but i I know you say it's all like ta nonsense i hate ta too and i think most of it's (laughs) nonsense but i do i do give a lot more like um legitimacy to something like the having theories because it's like hard coded Mm -hmm. in versus just like ta but that's just that's just my take on that but like normally i'm like yo ta is nonsense like this is silly now the thing about the ta um or think about the having stuff is that's very specifically Bitcoin related. And as Bitcoin's mm-hmm. share of the market just dwindles and that's not necessarily criticism or anything. It just, you know, as the space becomes bigger and less of it mm-hmm. is BTC related, I wonder if that will be affected. 
Um, it's interesting because like, as you, you're talking about ETH 2.0 and stuff like that, which on a market wide sort of a context, I think it's an interesting point because, um, Ethereum's just been like, Oh, the alt season leader in the past and stuff. But Ethereum is the kind of the cornerstone of so much of the space now, probably a lot more than Bitcoin and mm-hmm. whether or not it's, it scales might be, uh, you know, that might be a pretty big, you know, That's indicator big on the rest kind of thing. Well, let me just hit on mm-hmm. this one real quick. So I'm going to kind of go through some of these in reverse order because I'm, I'm a backwards weirdo. Uh, but rapper Nas to let fans own part of his music through NFTs. So legendary hip hop icon Nas will drop non-fungible tokens that will let users own streaming royalty rights to the songs Ultra Black and Rare. And it's doing on this platform called Royal, which um, I believe is an Ethereum-based thing. Um, I kind of I looked into their site a little bit, and I believe that you can buy the NFTs through you know with fiat, but also through USDC on Matic on Polygon, right? The you know, okay, so they're doing it like or... effectively. That's good. Yes, and I haven't used matic at all but i did read somewhere someone was complaining about like a 58 cent fee or something on there it's getting so expensive which you know it's valid but it's still way better than ethereum fees but the entire just point of this is it seems like in addition to just being like a cool nft like oh it's a collectible whatever it does seem like it's you know it's kind of like you're owning a part of his business at this point so what's your hot take on this thing so just before I give my hot take on that, I'll say yes. um, for the fees, I've noticed mm-hmm. that a lot of the like ETH killers, quote unquote, mm-hmm. their fees are going up a lot. Like they're yeah. going to be ETH sooner than later in terms of fees. So they're not really going to be presenting much of a better solution. Like I was getting into Luna staking and then it was like $2 for the gas fee. And I was like, this is going to be ETH sooner than later. This is pretty new already. Like that's wild. Mm-hmm. Um and like BNBs getting like over a dollar, everything's going way, way up. So it's like, I, yeah, I, I think the gas thing is kind of silly, but I mean, it really depends what ETH ends up doing with their thing. But my take on this is um, though it would be nice if this was like the new thing and everyone really believed in NFTs, I'm like 99% of the mind that it's like a marketing thing. Like he'll do this mm-hmm. one time and he'll never do it again. He'll never mention Royal again. It was probably a paid promotion through Royal. Um, everyone else who's ever launched an NFT song has done it one single time and never mentioned it again. Um, mm. I made a video yesterday about NFTs and why I don't think it's really time to buy or invest in them because right now it's just mm-hmm. cashing in. Uh, like influencers and celebrities are just cashing in on NFTs right now. So most of it is digital fluff. It doesn't yeah. really like it, it's not very valuable. It's not going to be valuable in the future. I am bullish on NFTs as a technology and what we mm-hmm. could do and where we will go. But 90% of the space right now is being cashed in on uh, by like influencers and stuff. And there's tons of scams. You got people like Logan Paul doing like crypto zoo where he's just taking Adobe stock photography and then saying it's like original and all these scams, nonsense, all this stuff. I don't think anyone's like really that gung ho on NFTs and people are just cashing in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I am, I am bullish on NFTs as a technology in the future. 
Yeah, in this, like, it's kind of that's kind of where I'm conflicted on this story in particular because I think that obviously NFT is cool, whatever. This use case is one of those awesome use cases for NFTs of you yeah. can actually own a piece of something, and it it's sort of in a weird way, like, um, like for example, what I would really love to do is. Like, imagine if you just raise entire all your revenue for your channel, just like raise it by selling people NFTs. I mean, and especially if that can constitute some sort of more than just like a vanity, like, oh, people are going to think these art designs are cool in the future. It's like, well, are they going to, what if they include a piece of like, you know, like a, a, a trace amount of your like portfolio dividends or something like that? If they do that, you know, it's just like, oh, I want to mm-hmm. support this guy and stuff, but like, you get something back from that. That's really cool stuff. On the other hand, in this specific case, like one thing I noticed, like the only things that NAS is, as you mentioned, is probably going to be a one-off with this guy in particular. The only things yeah. that they accept were fiat, which is you know kind of funny. And then the only crypto they accept is Matic USDC, right? Yeah. So like, so it's gonna be uh, like only super advanced users, not his audience. Like, yeah, it's kind of silly. Yeah, so it's either gonna be like ninety five percent fiat, and then the other people who are buying it are just gonna be paying him fiat, basically. Yeah, and it's they won't know how to sell it or do anything with it if they're all buying fiat too. Like, they're probably all his fans, yeah. not blockchain users, right? Hmm. Yeah, it's probably gonna be just like. You know, just they're going to hold it in some custodial wallet type thing. They're going to be like, oh, I got it. And then they're, if they lose their keys, they're going to like reset their password and stuff. And it's all going to be fine. Or, you know, it, it's going to be that kind of stuff. The thing is, there's two, I guess, concerns to the like practical use case elements of this. Uh, one of them being how is the technology like how centered is the technology in the actual use case? Like what about the NFT gives you these rights? Now, if you, if you like, let's just say you buy a concert ticket and the concert ticket is an NFT and that digital proof is what they scan for when they let you into the concert. Like that's one thing. What he's like promising a piece of his royalties. Well, what are the legal contracts involved with that? Because it literally cannot give you his royalties. It can just say, look, according to this NFT, he promised to give me parts of his royalties on this song. So then what you have to do is then you have to go consult with his lawyers. You got to see like, all right, well, what's the actual contract? Which what constitutes royalties? Is it just Spotify? And then he might like re-release different. What about different versions of the song? Like at that point, it's all legal contracts. And, are do you involve legal contracts with this and the, the or more importantly isn't this kind of like selling an illegal security at this point right because you're yeah we talked about him... this last time didn't we probably i've talked about this a million times we <laughs> talked like... about the uh like the tax implications of nfts in the future and, and how that could all get crazy yeah and uh it definitely like can you do that on a non NFT level today with like artists? Can you say, I want, I'm going to buy, I'm going to invest in a certain percentage of future royalties? Like, is that a thing today? 
And I'm sure it's going to be like KYC out the ass if it is. And which kind yeah. of sort of rolls into, um, and I don't really speak very much on this one, but um, uh, the SEC files a complaint against operator of unregistered three, 33 million crowd machine ICO, which ICO took us from the, what is it? The um, crowd computer were sold to America's investment contracts, according to SEC's complaint, which classifies them as securities. So the SEC is going after classified securities. And if you're selling like parts to your, your, um, your royalty stuff, that wouldn't that be a, a security? And wouldn't the SEC go after you for that? Not that I think they should, not that I give a crap about that stuff, but it does just seems kind of risky to me. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I mean, um, if rich people are creating NFTs, the, the SEC is probably like, sweet, this is going to be a great way to uh, to get all the money from them that we couldn't get before. So, yeah, I mean, they're probably going to love this and it's probably going to be really unideal for uh, people issuing these NFTs and, and doing all this kind of stuff for sure. Yeah, that's the thing is like the art loophole before NFTs was still a loophole in things. And I like if you're selling tokens, fungible tokens to people, and you have some sort of guarantee, some sort of attachment to that, to the profitability of whatever you're buying it of, right? Like an artist or a company, that seems like a pretty cut and dry security. Not that I think there should be securities laws really at least not enforced like that like i i do think you should like i think if you oh if you decide to do scotty sees tacos and have a little taco wagon and you just want to sell a thousand tokens and everyone who buys a token and then every taco sale you do is programmatically of the gross a very small portion of that goes out to the the token holders and like I think there's that's absolutely a security, but I think you should be able to do that with no paperwork. I think you should be able to do it, and if people don't want to, you know, buy or beware, right? But the reality mm -hmm. is that people will be cracking down on things like that. Now, if you sell an NFT and this is just cool, it's like part of your thing, but it also comes with exclusive access, like oh, you get into all these cool things. That's not really a security, you know. It's or you get discounts on stuff, you get whatever special. That's not really security. It's just when you start doing a revenue share model is where I think you kind of run into some kind of issues. Yeah, at that point, you just need a DAO, not like an NFT, right? Yeah, and at the, the point with the DAO, if you sell people DAO tokens to your DAO that you made and you made all the tokens, that's still kind of a security, right? You just... Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if you start a DAO from scratch and like everyone participates and, you know, and it's, there's no LLC and there's no actual profits really kind of, that's a much different story than just, you know, you just, I, I made my own taco DAO, but then like taco yeah. DAO, like you created all the tokens and sold them to people, you know, that's a little, that's sketch at that point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's see what else we got. So, um, speaking of the old NFT craze and stuff, um, GameStop, GameStonks, right? The GameStonks <laughs> jumped 26% uh, uh, 
in the after hours trade after the NFT division was unveiled. So GameStop reportedly hired 20 members for its new NFT division and is close to securing partnerships with two crypto firms for NFT game development. And all right, hot take time. Uh, this is what I said in my video yesterday. Um, ninety nine percent of games made for like uh, blockchain NFTs and stuff like that they suck mm-hmm. because they build the games backwards. They say mm-hmm. we're going to make NFTs and there's going to be a game built around this. How do we make this happen? Let's just do this backwards and make it work. Yeah. What needs to happen for an actual good video game? is you build a video game and then you add NFTs to it. (laughs) Or you just add NFTs to games that are already good. You do not Mm -hmm. build a game backwards from the idea that you want NFTs to be included because that's just a money grab and that's what all the games are right now. Uh, Anyone who's actually like tested all the NFT games, 99%, not all, uh, they are really terrible and it's 100% like you giving them money more or less and gambling because you're trying to get like a better item. So then you spend a little bit and then you do a fight and then hopefully you get a better item and you spend a bit. And it's basically gambling mixed in with just like a very, very basic game. Now, if they were actually able to do that properly and like build a game and then add NFTs or what have you, that would be Mm -hmm. very different, but that's not what we have. It's, it's everything else of just cashing in on NFTs because it's hype right now and you can. And speaking mm. of that real quick, yes. I didn't release an NFT because I was going to just because it was like it was the thing. It was cool. But as I saw the space more and understood it more and more, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be the guy who's just like profiting off of my followers by selling them a JPEG, you know, that I pay someone five dollars on Fiverr to create. It's mm. like that's just so like, yeah, it's it's so scummy. So I. I did not make one, but I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't knock anyone who did. Cause like mm-hmm. I wanted to do it just for testing purposes, but then I was like, I would probably sell this if I did make it. So I'm just not even going to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think a lot of things are just cashing in on it right now. It's, it's pretty wild. That's the thing that I've been kind of frapping my head around. There's a high likelihood that I'm going to do some NFTs for this channel. But after, so I was chatting a lot with Ken Bozak about this and he is just at the extreme end of like, and he's an NFT maximalist, like everything. He's sold so many. He's made so much off of selling them. People want to buy it. They want to buy it, I guess. I'm not, I would probably buy one of his just because he's been helpful to me. But like, as far mm-hmm. as I don't think I'd I'd be sell. curious. Are people buying yeah. those and then like making money off of selling them later? Or is it really just like supporting the person and like that's why you're doing it? And it's kind of like an art thing. I think it's probably a good mix between those and then there's a third option which i don't think is going to last for very long is just like people freaking love nfts and they just want to they want to buy them and this is it's funny because we get to human psychology humans love collecting things and like Mm -hmm. if you think about all the collectibles that have happened over the years like whether it's beanie babies or whatever those things aren't super like they don't do anything for you sometimes like if you're into stuffed animals and you want rare ones sure but sometimes people just want a thing people do a metal detecting mm-hmm. oh i found this rare coin that like okay whatever like people people want to just it's a it's a very primate instinct to just like you grab the shiny thing you know just there's a shiny thing i'm gonna grab it it's just what people do it's how 
it's part of who we are. And so sometimes if you just give them that rush, it's just like playing the slot machine, people, new shiny thing to get. I want the shiny thing. If it's shiny enough, I'll get it. It's so mm-hmm. what I've been sort of grappling, you know, obviously I want to run an ethical life. <laughs> you know, I don't want to like scam people. I'm not into that stuff at all. So probably at the beginning, at least I'll just do ones that let you into, because there's a bot that lets you into a telegram channel if you have the NFT. And I'll probably just do that mm-hmm. as a, simplification of the super chat thing because i got a lot of people that comment in the live chat who are like supporters and Mm -hmm. not all they don't always send like a something through cointree because sometimes the cointree chat is clunky sometimes they do like a odyssey hyper chat but it's so hard to get the lbc token and all this kind of stuff and like it's just a pain but like if people just all right you buy an nft 100 bucks or whatever you just you're in the chat now like now you just don't have to worry about that. It's just like a like a support yeah. the creator, but you know you get this specific thing out of that. But like no way am I gonna pretend this anything's more than you're buying because you support the channel slash want the perks that come like ex- that come explicitly promised with it. You know? Yeah, I think I think things like that, like subscription loyalty based things, I think that's mm-hmm. probably one of the more realistic uses of nfts today versus like art and stuff like that also real quick touching on mm-hmm. library oh yeah i don't know man library Here makes me go. so sad now they dropped their monetization by like 90 percent, and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah this isn't really gonna work i mean unless we get the ad model soon like people are just gonna be like yeah i mean i'm making 90 percent less uh i'm not going to stay like that's pretty obvious um, I'm pretty much just like a hundred percent gung ho on Hive now because mm. it's the only platform to like as far as I know, mm-hmm. it's probably one of the only platforms that is fully decentralized because obviously library controls the monetization, so it's not fully decentralized. Um, I would say DTube is also pretty good, but it's it's a lot harder to use and it's a little more obscure. But yeah, that's why I got my hive pillow right there. Yeah. Right in the background. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing about like Lyra is an interesting subject because they have like in the way they it's probably one of the platforms at the base protocol level that's the best designed as far as a completely actually decentralized and in theory sustainable protocol. The challenges mm-hmm. they ran into the only reason we care about library today is because they built a, a good end user product on top of it, which, you know, a little bit library desktop, but mostly library.tv and then Odyssey now. And the problem mm-hmm. is there's been a, an increasing divergence between the library protocol and Odyssey. More specifically, the token is just in just so difficult to do stuff with because of the SEC lawsuit mostly. And it just, it's listed in few places. It's hard to, you know, to, it's hard to make it completely useful. And all the stuff when you have newbies onboarded or just non-crypto people, they want a censorship resistant platform and they just come on board and they want to monetize, of course. And it would have mm-hmm. been so easy to just be like, all right, well, let's just have a little like moon pay or whatever widget where you donate with Fiat with a super chat, it gets converted to credits and then it supports the ecosystem. But since they can't do that now, it's just like, well, we'll give you some, some LBC here and there. And that'll let, allow you to post stuff to the, the platform to make sure it's like backed up on a decentralized network, but we got to handle the monetization a different way. Mm-hmm. And 
like the core product is good. The problem is like Odyssey's stuck in this for the for now, stuck in this midway point between are we just like running on a crypto platform thing or are we doing fiat monetization in old school methods like advertising? And I for one am very I guess I would be very bullish about Odyssey as soon as they add like an advertising model, especially if you could like do a quick pay a credit to like they're doing some interesting stuff with stickers which are not quite it like nft-esque oh yeah like you can do yeah yeah i saw that that. are tied to credits but like the thing is the the library the odyssey i should say because library's its own thing right and maybe i'll have to chat with jeremy about where library is going outside of odyssey but they're stuck in it they're in a midway point they're between monetization models they're between profit models and so like I can't really speak much for that right now because it's not they don't whatever they're doing they're not doing right now. So, but like yeah, I mean yeah. I I think the big issue was they created a model that I mean obviously LBC is scarce, so mm-hmm. they can't just keep making more and then paying people out. So they knew mm-hmm. from the get go that their little fund was going to run out at some point, and the mm-hmm. main issue was just they didn't deliver ads or a new model within that time frame. So they kind of screwed themselves because they gave themselves too short of a runway. And then they, and then they went off the runway, I guess. Um, I'm still like totally supportive of it. Great platform still by far the most active users on, Mm -hmm. on blockchain social um, doing a great job. But the reality is that like, I'm not really going to be earning money there anymore. Like, you know, I might get like 20, $10, $20, but it's going to go down and down and be less and less everywhere else is like doing okay. Like nowhere else is pulling back. So, you know, if people look at that and they say, okay, where should I go and post? It's like, well, Mm -hmm. obviously probably the ones that are earning good and the earnings aren't going down, especially if the benefits are the same elsewhere or even more so, right. It's Mm -hmm. not like, Uh, It's not like you're ever going to have this issue on Hive, as far as I know. Um, But yeah, I mean, library has the like the UI. They have they have like Mm -hmm. the the, the really solid platform, the huge user base. So I I wouldn't say don't use it. But um, but yeah, I'm it's very unfortunate. Like, but I'm hoping that they'll be able to get their ad model out sooner than later. And um, yeah, I would like to hear from from Jeremy and see like what his thoughts are and like where they're going and how things are playing out. Um, yeah. I'm getting a bunch of emails that people are like uh, sending me coin trees. So I'm not sure if you're seeing that, but yeah, I mean, where was the one and I put on the screen. I checked like as of five minutes ago, but I should recheck that. It's always been a little so, you know, coin tree is completely volunteer maintained and it's not really been actively maintained a lot lately although whenever it's broken i I can yell at someone and they fix it but um, (laughs) it's it's was never meant for like a super chat function it wasn't um oh there's one more yeah you kind of like made it work for you yeah yeah uh bitcoin jaco 9 shout out bitcoin jaco 9 throw a tip if you enjoyed all this stuff uh made a made this plugin so really quick one time says happy hey joel scott oh he went away Happy New Year. Happy birthday, Scott. One time. Thank you, one time. Uh, Much appreciated. One one time is a great supporter of the show. And I um, 
if I do some basic NFT drop thing, I'll just give him one of the NFTs because he's more than paid for it already. And it just like gets you into the, the special chat or whatever all automatically. But, um, but yeah, so like, I think it's funny kind of because the user mod, the user model that we have is very different from the usual, um, I would say content creator model on platforms like, YouTube and Odyssey were not very different, but slightly different in that I don't know a lot of YouTubers today who make their their money off of ad revenue entirely or even mostly. It's all other stuff like Super Chats, for example, like it's in Odyssey has fiat Super Chats, you know, same way or like, you know, subscriptions and stuff. And just YouTube takes like 20, 30 percent and Odyssey off of the fiat takes like 5 percent. And Mm -hmm. the ad model is a big part of that. And so for people like us, you know, we're like um, crypto hobos, you know, just going finding the free coins wherever they're at floating around. Like, and we're kind of like next level of things where we're just looking to use platforms and have the platforms pay us back for our value in a more integrated, you know, holistic sort of a futuristic way. Whereas the old school thing is we're here to post things. We're grateful that this site gives us a platform to post stuff, but then our content monetizes itself, whether it's through we're selling things on it or whatever. There's two very different users kind of there. And like a lot of mm-hmm. Odyssey's biggest user group is not us. It's the people that just want a platform where they're not going to get censored. And then whatever monetization or gain that they get is in addition is kind of on top of that. It's not, built in and so i think that you're going to see odyssey transition to a kinder friendlier youtube but still like a youtube style model while they start working out their credit things which they may they may never that might be that the library's block library blockchain's exclusive use case is as a as a backbone as an archive almost of your channels and your stuff like that and it just might be like a better youtube kind of thing but I'm. I think there's a big there's a big caveat that we have to touch on yeah. though, that you have to spend LBC, and mm-hmm. the fees are going up and up, and now it's becoming harder and harder to get LBC. Mm-hmm. So when someone comes from YouTube and it's like, sweet, I can post on this and it's decentralized and I'm not going to have it mm-hmm. deleted. Oh, I I have to pay. Oh, what? What is this? That I have to pay for this though, and then and the price is going to go up and up and up as it has been. And it's mm-hmm. harder and harder to get the LBC. So I do see there being a yeah. big, uh, a big, uh, an issue there. That's like the main thing that I see, especially if you're not going to earn it. Cause before it was like, oh, okay, well, it was fine. I could watch a few videos, earn it. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's, now it's getting harder and harder to earn and, and you're getting less and less. And it's going to be harder to actually pay for that. So you're actually going to have yeah. to go out of pocket. And that's going to be a big thing for people. So I wonder. I wonder how that's going to work on the UX side from a creator over the long term, because like, I wonder first off when library fees start going up, if there's still demand to use the network, people are going to be buying the token, which pushes the price up, which is good for people if they can buy it. Right. So, but I'm wondering if it's just going to be that Odyssey is going to start, you know, taking, I guess, taking revenue from users and then, their expenses are to drop the user's tokens, enough tokens to actually 
consistently upload videos. Or I wonder if you're gonna have to top up your credits to be able to keep uploading every once in a while and they're gonna just sell you that service directly. And if so, I wonder how profitable the rest of it is gonna be as a creator. Again, there's a lot of unknowns in there. What mm -hmm. I think would be the absolute perfect thing would be if for somehow, if library could get on Thorchain or some other decks that just allows you to deposit crypto and spend crypto and then that just transfers for credits automatically on the platform and you and it just then you could have like a directly monetized kind of holistic system and the problem is you know it's way too small of a fry to ever get on Thorchain if I'm honest but mm -hmm. I don't know like that's kind of the only way forward for like the blockchain centric thing but like I would I, I mean just the fact that Odyssey and Library built such an impressive thing that no one else has done. What I would really, at the very least, there's a great model to just fork. It's open source code. You could just fork the yeah. library protocol, make a bunch of tweaks of the, the tokenomics and things, not do a giant pre-mine, which you know is what bought, bit them in the ass, is you know like all that stuff. And then like, I'm just so glad that Library forged ahead and created this model so that now. Even if library dies, like the progress in technology for a really good, you know, content space is just out there and it's really cool. Yeah, I think that's a great point, actually. Like if someone sees the value in it, they can just take it and run with it and we might get something, you know, way, mm -hmm. way better. I would also say one more thing for LBC that's mm -hmm. kind of important to consider. Um, the reason that it matters that there was monetization is because that was the incentive to hold lbc for example yes when i post a video i support my video to get more visibility because i will earn a good amount for doing so that was the mm -hmm. only incentive i had to keep my lbc was because i could then boost my videos and earn more lbc now mm -hmm. 90 percent of those rewards are gone i'm barely earning and there's really no reason for me to keep my lbc Mm -hmm. so i sold most of it sold 90 percent of it <laughs> yeah uh, in line with the with the drop in monetization so i still have some so that i can still you know boost and i can still earn but my assumption is once most people realize this they're going to sell their lbc um but realistically most people don't even understand library at all and like how supports work to even make your videos more visible so maybe people just don't even know but mm -hmm. um, but I sold 90% of my LBC for that exact reason. And I think that's pretty important as to why people would even hold LBC to begin with. Plus, it's also very important to consider that February 14th, all the OG creators are getting a 100K LBC drop and the, the price will probably just get destroyed, right? <laughs> Including myself. So I'm going to sell yeah. all of it as soon as possible on that day that I can because everyone else is going to be selling it. And it's basically just who gets there first, uh, yeah. unfortunately. But that is the, the reality. Day. The whole thing is going to just go. It, it might be done in like a month and a week, like five weeks from now. Library might be more or less screwed because everyone might panic sell. And like, I have no idea how many creators got the drop, but it's going to be it's going to be a big deal. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it, it turns out. Uh, it seems like, you know, the um, Odyssey has been a wildly, I won't say wildly, but a very successful 
platform at getting users, at being an alternative, at remaining relatively uncensored, at getting sued by Rumble and getting all the, <laughs> the clout from that. You know, yeah. so we'll, we'll see where it ends up going. But like, that's what I love about the space is that just it, it moves forward. That there's this giant proof of concept with 30 million visitors, or maybe more. I don't know. I haven't checked, checked the stats this month. But like, there's there's this big thing out there and it's, you can't put the genie back in the bottle right now. We're not going back to YouTube. I mean, we're on YouTube right now, some of us, but I'm saying we're not mm -hmm. going back to a YouTube holds us by the balls kind of a world, you know, ever again. Uh, just to finish that little bit, we were talking about the game, GameStop thingy. I got to tell, uh, cause GameStop kind of reminds me of a, a story I like to tell of this, this grocery store called food city. So food city is a grocery store out in, uh, the western part of the U.S. kind of considered the the Kmart of grocery stores, is in just like worse, like lower tier, like the Jack in the Box, like lower tier than Walmart, lower tier than you know any other whatever, and just also on its way out. And it was like really not doing well. They're closing stores, and at some point, a whole they realized there was a whole bunch of Mexicans in the stores, and they're just like, "What's up with this?" And it turns out that the like the white and pale blue aesthetic, the kind of like slightly dingy look, the, like the, the vague smell of meat in the atmosphere reminded a lot of Southwestern immigrants from Mexico of grocery stores in Mexico. And they were, mm. they were just like, so basically they got so terrible as a grocery store. They started to remind people, third world immigrants of their third world grocery stores. And then they just pivoted a hundred percent to like, we're playing mariachi music. We're doing, we're stocking all Mexican pros. We're doing everything <laughs> and they bounce back. And now it's like the Mexican grocery store. They're doing great. And so GameStop is the same kind of thing. It's kind of like on its way down the dustbin of history. And then it just became like these crypto shit poster trader game stonks. People made it in this crazy meme stonk. And then now it's like, they're just, they're leaning into it. Now they're into the NFT division and all this kind of stuff. And maybe GameStop is going to be, a big part of maybe it's going to still be a viable company for like 10, 20 years. You, we don't know. They might've, this might've hit this accidental, like, and the reason that they were why game stonks was a thing is because they, the stock was doing terrible and people were like, Oh, this is like so easy to manipulate is because it was doing so mm -hmm. bad. So because they're doing so bad might end up being their saving grace. Wouldn't that be wild? Which is, yeah, which is crazy. But in reality, I think them adopting NFTs is just going to be like selling pointless collectibles and not like mm -hmm. building out the next metaverse for video games. You know, it's going to just be some like fluff, pointless stuff. And it's going to be like every other company that tried to cash in on NFTs. They did like one thing and then they were like, all right, that's it. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, it's it. you guys don't have a serious like strategy to adopt NFTs and like make it a thing. Right. It's like. It's like anything like like you like one of the articles that we're, we might cover uh, was talking about like all the all the brands that jumped yeah, in on crypto. That's actually the one I and queued, like, up, queued up next. Let's just hit that one real quick. So the biggest consumer brands yeah. engage with crypto in 2021. I'm just going to read off a couple of the examples. Like obviously Tesla made waves by buying Bitcoin and saying they're going to accept it and then not saying and all this stuff. The Dallas Mavericks started accepting Dogecoin, which, you know, big, big lol. Oh, Nike's entering the metaverse. Adidas, of course, was entering the metaverse and all this kind of stuff. Clinique was launching NFT-based consumer loyalty program, which 
that is actually a really cool application for tokens or NFTs is, you know, you just get an NFT every time you buy whatever, and then those can stack up to discounts and things like that. And of course, Coca-Cola doing that stuff. Um, and the list just goes on and on. So pretty much, I would say every major brand, but a lot of major brands have been interacting with crypto and yeah. Yeah. So take it away. Yeah. So, I mean, I was going to start off just by touching on the Dallas Mavericks. It's mm -hmm. funny because they kind of like gerrymand the, like the headlines, right? They, mm -hmm. they're accepting Dogecoin for their merchandise. It's like, oh, they love Dogecoin. You go and look. It's BitPay. It accepts every single token in existence. It's like, oh, okay. So mm -hmm. they just accept crypto. This isn't like a Dogecoin thing. I think a lot yeah. of it is just cashing in on hype. Like I keep saying, like they could have just said Dallas Mavericks now accept crypto for merchandise, but Doge mm -hmm. was all over the headlines. So they tried to do like a Doge thing. And that's all this stuff is. Like, I don't think a lot of these companies are really that serious. I mean, Tesla's a perfect example. We're accepting Bitcoin now. No, no, we're not. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that was quick. Like, I thought you were really like into this thing, and it, and it lasted like three months before you just decided to reverse it. Nike enters the metaverse. The metaverse, by the way, is like mm -hmm. so centralized, and even all the front ends of the decentralized stuff are all like are centralized because it's like all you have is NFTs whatever you built for the metaverse is just like your front end centralized thing. None of the data of any of that stuff is in the NFT. The NFT mm -hmm. would just exist in this little 3d world. And if the 3d world went away, you could spin it back up with the NFTs, but none of that stuff would be there from the original like world that you created. It's all centralized. And mm -hmm. the real metaverse stuff is all like Roblox and like all this stuff. I think companies getting into the metaverse is just more fluff and more, hype stuff like we we have the centroverse right now not the yeah. metaverse and not the decentroverse by any means so like i think a lot of this all the them getting into nfts and stuff is really just trying to cash in on the metaverse hype and the nft hype the only thing that i think is kind of like makes sense is like when they're offering customer loyalty nfts mm -hmm. i think that makes sense but when it's just like throwing out nft collectibles it's like, obviously, they don't care about this and they're never going to bring this up again. And it's like, it was just like free money. Like, thanks. Yeah, that's the thing about, I mean, we're definitely in, I would call the dot-com bubble of crypto right now. Where yeah, yeah. it's, everyone's doing a thing and they they don't know, like, they don't know what they're doing yet these companies for the most part but they just know that profits have don't to be... matter nothing matters either yeah they just know which this is kind of a, a beautiful thing on the free market is crypto is going to be huge crypto nfts decentralized blockchain tech it's going to be literally the way the world runs in the future and because we have like a relatively free market because there's like a market the information of that is tons of money just like with a dot-com bubble the, uh, the information mm -hmm. the information that uh the internet's going to be everything was just tons of money everywhere and it's, it's a very crude form of information but it's better than not having the tons of money because these companies might just never go online or never get into crypto until it's like super late all they know like they don't know what to do with it they just know this is huge i gotta get in there somehow and so they're sort of flailing mm -hmm. around trying to get part of it and coming in on this money grab or whatever 
it's ultimately all good. It's just messy right now. And I think it's one thing that's important to, to see is obviously they're chasing money and the money is just rewarding anyone who shows up kind of. Uh, the thing is with everything, you have to have a mutually beneficial exchange of value. Like you give the customer something they want and you do get something in exchange. And right now they're giving them crypto, I guess, sort of, and then they get money for it. But like when you're talking about loyalty programs, same thing with an NFT, like you're selling an NFT, like here's an NFT, buy it. And it's like, okay, well, what does the customer want? Right now the customer wants it because it's an NFT and NFTs are so hot right now. But in the future, customers are going to want something. And it's like, well, okay, I will buy your NFT if I get something out of it. What are they getting out of it? Some of it is like, is it a real unique artwork or something from a an esteemed valued art artist, legit artist, and I get to like have like the original. Okay, maybe that. Or what if it's a major brand that only releases like one of these or whatever? Okay, maybe that. More importantly, though, perks. What comes with this? Is there an exclusivity? Is there a, an after-party thing? Is there like a, you know, is there a display case that only works with NFTs and it displays not only the NFT, like not only the image, but it displays the credentials underneath. So if you're in your house and you have like an NFT projector, it all like it's only configured to show, you know, it shows the legit thing. And so people walking by, if you just had a copy paste, they'd be like, well, you got a knockoff. What the hell's this? But it, you know, there's gotta be something it gives you in exchange for that to have long-term value. And that's why I like about the, um, the reward program type of a thing. You know, it's like the free yeah. NFT with every happy meal kind of thing, which is, is the way of the future. I mean, if it's, if it isn't here already, it's going to be that way. But that but like, is so digital fluff though. That's just like being mm -hmm. able to say that you've got NFTs because who's going to buy that, right? Like, yeah, like who's going to buy that NFT from you? It, it seems like NFTs going forward is just like, do you want this badge that proves that you did it? And like, mm -hmm. that's what you're paying for. It's not even like you want this thing or like, it's not like valuable. And I would say like a lot of people buying NFTs are under the false assumption that like, this is the hype. This is going to go way up in value. Not like, mm -hmm. Oh, I really want this like Coca-Cola NFT. You know what? I think yeah. a lot of the NFT stuff is a misunderstanding of crypto. Like Coca-Cola mm -hmm. would thrive if they used to have this thing called Coke music. It was Haba Hotel, mm -hmm. but it was through Coca-Cola. It was very like popular. 80s hair metal. They gave you, away. You do a bump. And yeah. Like that kind of Coke music. <laughs> no, not really. No. no. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like under a Coca-Cola bottle uh, cap, there would be a code and you would type that into the game and you would get points in the game and you could buy mm -hmm. stuff and do stuff. It was like Haba Hotel, essentially. The original mm -hmm. metaverse. <laughs> yes. And um and and Coca-Cola was in on the original metaverse to some degree. They had their own game and everything. That was really smart. They could do that today with like Coca-Cola tokens and then you earn some and they could be used for something, whether it's like a discount on Coca-Cola products or whatever it happens to be. Like I said, it doesn't actually have to be an NFT for them to do this loyalty stuff. People would love that if under every Coca-Cola cap, there was like a redemption to earn a little bit of like of of coca-cola or cola token or whatever or yeah you know nfts like one in every million coca-cola bottles has an exclusive nft under the cap and you can win it mm -hmm. or like the caramel uh secret uh bar or key or whatever it is 
that could all mm-hmm. be done flawlessly with crypto or NFTs. They just need to like do it right. But instead they're just like trying to, they're just like jamming it into their system and being like, hopefully like people like this or like it says NFT. And so it's like, that's good enough. Like, but they're not doing it like tactfully or like thoughtfully. And I think yeah. that's the real like missing component. Well, it, it's funny because uh, people have been doing this NFT stuff since way before there were NFTs. Um, in my, as every kid does, I a, a relatively significant amount of McDonald's back in my day. And yeah. I remember all the different, first off, literally the toys with the Happy Meal. That's something the kids want. But also, like, you got the, on the fry containers, whatever, you got, like, the Monopoly stickers. They let you play Monopoly for prizes. And just, like, yeah. it would encourage you to keep going back to McDonald's because you get a new little thing that probably was nothing, but you could win something. And I remember we used to mm-hmm. stack, like, in the cup holders of the cars, you'd have all these little coupons of, like, free fry, free breakfast sandwich, free this, free that. And, like, as a part of this, like, limited promotion thing. Yeah. That is literally all going to be an NFT rather than a paper thing in the future. People are going to scan the fry thing and, like, collect the nft from that and it's easy to see like okay limited release like you get a, a mcrib nft with every mcrib because they only do that one like in a limited rollout and so then you could just say if you have a last year collection of nft mcribs you get a free side with your mcrib when they bring it out again and then you get the yeah, nft with genius. that there's tons of cool stuff to be done i don't know if cool i mean interesting stuff let's just let's settle for interesting but there's there's plenty of weird stuff you could do with nfts that are already part of the way business is done today and people will kind of go after it again people like shiny things they like loyalty things they like proof like it will imagine if you bought the first pumpkin spice latte offered by a new hipster coffee shop and they give you a super exclusive um, NFT if you're one of those or it's like this is yeah pumpkin spice debut day and if you bought it on that day you get one and then the line's out the door you know trying to get in and then you could just say like you know you could have it like closed for a you know pumpkin spice only event type of thing and everyone who bought those <laughs> they're the only people who can get in it's like an exclusive event if you're one of those people that bought that first thing like like there's all this cool stuff you could do with this it's just it's what you can package into the NFTs. And what I'm really, um, like, I'd really love to see a uh, generic, a kind of multi-purpose NFT validator app that you could just easily validate if you got an NFT or not to get into a thing. Or just, you know, on every airline ticket's going to be an NFT at one point. That's not a very sexy NFT, but it's just like, that's just the way it's going to be. Not like just, the world is full of fungible tokens. Everything's going to be, f- tokenized whether it's fungible or non-fungible whether it's unique or not it you just it's just the way the world's going to go and people can the the thing that's going to be interesting is when you get to have like the built-in resale value the resale fee from the original owner built in when you want to like flip stuff like let's just say you bought you know, the original pumpkin spice latte, just you happen to be in that day, I'll try it out. And you get this NFT and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then it's like, okay, you get into this exclusive event like a year and a half later. And you're like, you know what? I moved cities. I'm not even there anymore. Does someone want to buy this? And then you just resell it, but then you get part of the resale fee. Like that's the kind of stuff that gets, you know, that really starts to elevate this beyond, you know, the old system. I'm sure 
with these McDonald's free fries or Monopoly pieces. I'm sure there were on Craigslist. I'm sure. I don't know if there was a Craigslist then. I probably. So I'm sure I, I worked at selling. McDonald's. Yes. And I worked night shifts at the third busiest uh, McDonald's in Canada. And <laughs> wow. we would have so many unpeeled stickers that I would do in like I'd do lot cleanup. And I just uh-huh. go around with like a bag, just collecting all the stickers. And then mm-hmm. I I literally filled out like a hundred Monopoly uh, things, all except for the one missing winning thing. So I was like, yeah. okay, obviously I'm not going to get the winning thing. But mm-hmm. I had like a million free food coupons and I would like sell them at like a fourth of the price to like my buddies and stuff like that. But um, yeah, yeah, like I think that would be game changer to have like that as all, all as like NFTs and things like that. And. And, and I also really like your your idea with like pumpkin spice latte. I think it would get so popular that they'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, sorry, we ran out. They're like, that's fine. That's fine. Here, let me just give you five bucks. You just give me the NFT. It's like, what? Yeah. Okay, I guess. Like, <laughs> I think that's how popular it would get too. So like, I think that'd be pretty wild. Yeah. And people already do like merchandise and things. And for example, um, Abel Ebenezer Brewing is one of my favorite breweries around here. And they accept every crypto under the sun. The owner is a really cool dude, and they had a um, they had a limited run like T-shirt back in the before they started taking crypto that just said "taxation is theft" with their like logo on it and stuff. And like those sold out like hotcakes as collectors items. I keep trying yeah. to get them to do the exact same one except have crypto logos on it as well. And but what if you just don't wear like oversized hoodies or like you know, whatever well you just don't wear the stuff but you really want the collectible digital collectible you know and then like oh if you're one of those people then you get like the special like mug with your name on it or whatever it is i mean there's just so many so many things it just that like right now people don't know what to do with nfts they just know that you got to make them everyone wants to buy these pixelated ones or the apes and stuff like that and then it's like okay mm-hmm. where is it stored well, you got the on the Ethereum blockchain, for example, you have the actual NFT part, but it points to an image that's hosted on OpenSea that like they can just get rid of and like you don't really have it anyway. And it what does it do? It doesn't really include anything of value, right? It's so mm-hmm. in the future they got they just gotta round it out. They gotta fine tune it, pack all the goodies that come with an NFT into the NFT itself. So that thing you have yeah. on your phone, on your blockchain account of whatever blockchain you got, that thing you got in your wallet actually does all those things. Not just you trust them to, but like it does all those things. And so like when you scan it, it goes bing, it authenticates and says, oh yeah, you got this. And once that gets dialed in, that's going to be great. So the NFT rush is not going anywhere, but a lot of this, the early NFTs are just going to be like the ICO boom. How many of the ICO like that that'd be a funny thing. I might actually look that up at some point, but like the what's going on with the like how many ICO tokens have any value today? Like any value. I'm gonna write I'm that not, down. That is a that is a great video <laughs> idea. Yeah. Because I'm sure even in highly successful ICOs, like so Ethereum was an ICO and you got Ethereum in exchange for like buying them in the beginning. But those Ether token that's part of the blockchain that's literally super value <laughs> made out like a bandit if you're in on the ETH ICO. But any other ICO, like they create a token and then they raise a bit bunch of money 
and it's a success. But like the original token, what happened to that? It's all I'd be willing to guess. It's all worthless because either mm-hmm. it just didn't go anywhere, or it did go somewhere, but you didn't get any part of that. Or it did go somewhere and you got to turn in your token for whatever ended up being the eventual thing. Like wasn't EOS mm-hmm. like a Ethereum ICO, I think. And then I guess there's a lot of things. I'm not sure. Work. Like I know it was created by Dan Larmer who created Steam. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about the original EOS launch. I'm pretty sure a lot of top hundred or so chains from back in the day started out as an ERC20 token. Like may, I think maybe even IOTA, although I could be misre- misremembering, it could have been that they just traded it one for one. I'm pretty sure EOS was an ERC20 token that then they traded one for one or whatever they for EOS tokens, like for for mm-hmm. on the EOS chain. But I, as far as those original tokens, they're just worth nothing. I'm sure if they even exist anymore. But I honestly all, hate yeah. it when they launch something and then they have you trade it to something new. That just seems so sketchy to me. Like, I don't know if mm-hmm. you probably heard me relentlessly go after so me, but mm-hmm. they finally oh, yeah. airdropped after they launched a token on Hive. Now they're just a mm-hmm. Hive interface. Like, what's the point of so me anymore? Yeah. Um, but they airdropped their tokens as a Hive token Mm-hmm. And my $2,000 worth of so me ended up selling for like $20 uh, was the value of the airdrop that I got. So like, mm-hmm. obviously they completely scammed everyone because mm-hmm. we, we spent all this money. They even overcharged people to buy it through their website than the actual yes. value of the market value. And, uh, and then they locked up all of your stuff on their site and they shut off the site for nine months. And then they said, okay, it's back. We're airdropping you hive tokens and they're worthless and it's like oh okay well uh, clearly that doesn't work very well i mean obviously that's not always how it goes but like i i don't like that idea at all of like having to swap to something new and and there's tons of scams that do this too like kick token um and a bunch of other tokens i did this thing called freeze drops where they're like oh like you just have the original token you need to swap over to the new one and mm-hmm. what they do is like they just charge you a ton and then it doesn't work correctly. And there's all these different things. And then they just take all of your funds out of your wallet, basically, by like having you repeatedly try because like kick token was worth, I don't know, like two hundred thousand dollars, whatever you had in your airdrop. Um, most people got and like all these tokens, they always are crazily valued or it looks mm-hmm. like they are. And then people go out of their way to try to get that value. And then it doesn't work, you know? Yeah. And that's. Um, and by the way, Hilawi was commenting in the live chat saying that I was correct, saying that yes, the EOS tokens became nothing after the switch over. And it's not even if, like, let's just say, so I actually had a discussion with a friend when I'm talking about, oh, I might make some NFTs. I'm like, I'll probably do them on wax because I know Ken Bozek does wax and all this kind of stuff, and it seems cool, seems mm-hmm. cheap. I'll try that. But I'm thinking, like, what happens if wax goes nowhere and I have to s- switch it over to like a Zillica NFT? Well, then I'll just like let them make them burnable and just like give people a swap one for one and just give them on the new thing. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it does speak of the principle of the fragility of the NFT to begin with, or the token or the ICO to begin with that the token itself could become worthless. And even if you bought a bunch of EOS tokens and then you swapped them for 
actual EOS mainnet tokens and made out like a bandit, there's not a, even if that's great, the original token's not worth very much. It's like a transient sort of value just kind of goes off into nothing at that point. And so Mm -hmm. that's the the problem with a lot of these NFTs. Like how many, like what what happens in 20 years when every single NFT is run on a complete package on a on it, like all the images are ipfs based there are the image files or whatever they all the reference point is all in a decentralized like you know, ironclad way and it's all baked in the, they're solid what happens to all is open nfts at that point well if anyone still cares about those in particular they will do a burn and remint in a better way but the point is all these nfts that are being creative like 99 percent of nfts are all going to be completely trash in just a few years even if Mm -hmm. even if they're super famous and then you just get to like get a new one unless someone keeps the broken link nft because that becomes somehow more valuable because it was like the super super original or whatever just like satoshi's coins if you get a coin like imagine if like craig wright gets control of okay, it was a little weird now but gets control of satoshi's hoard imagine the money you could make by selling people a satoshi bitcoin at a 10x markup like oh that'd be so crazy it's like it, it, do you want ha- the original bitcoin it's it, it'll cost you 10 like <laughs> but i mean that's not that's not far off from being like um i have a dollar from 1900 want mm-hmm. to buy it for 100x its value it's like mm-hmm. yes, that that happens all the time, but it's also more so based on the actual value and and like the actual metal and things like that as well. So it's a little different, but somewhat similar. I would also say like most people don't realize that someone actually has to buy your NFT too, right? So if the whole market is like tanking, mm-hmm. uh, or like goes down a bunch like we just had, and you're like, all right, trying to sell my NFT, who wants to buy my NFT? Everyone's like, yeah, no, uh, my money is all like going away. I'm not trying to buy your NFT right now. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to liquidate really quickly if you need to. So like mm-hmm. that's also something that people need to make sure they're aware of. Like I have CryptoKitties, Ethermons, OX Planets from like four years ago that no one bought because they're just no one cares about them and someone has to actually buy it from me. I'm selling it for like a few bucks and no one even is willing to pay that. So like, yeah, I mean. A lot of NFTs are just common, useless, unvaluable. Like a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the like valuable NFTs were rare NFTs at the time that were expensive when you bought them mm-hmm. too. Like, so if you bought like a super rare crypto kitty and it was three ETH back in the day, yeah, that might have mm-hmm. only cost three hundred dollars when ETH was a hundred dollars. But Mm -hmm. it's still selling for three ETH today. And you're like, now it's $10,000. And it's like, well, ETH went up. Your crypto kitty is the same value. Like nothing really changed. You could have just held ETH. Obviously, there's many cases where crypto kitties are super rare and they are going for crazy amounts of money. But a lot of it is also just like ETH went up in value. And like you're just looking at it as if this crypto kitty went from $300 to $9,000. No, Ethereum did that. The kitty did nothing right that's what a lot of people are getting messed up with too when they look at like different prices and they compare stuff and they make it seem just like way better than it is i guess yeah and one of the things with this whole digital gold rush thing is uh it may be a little bit of a philosophical point but uh 
money is just a language for humans to communicate what they value to each other. That's that's all it is, a technology a communication method. And mm-hmm. old school money has been really limited. It's been like a like a very small vocabulary of just mm-hmm. like basic things. And that's why you have weird things like nonprofit organizations that have to like ask for donations to like feed people for to do stuff that humanity values but somehow won't pay for. And then with crypto and blockchain stuff, now all of a sudden it's open season on like death on vocabulary. All of a sudden you you unlimited the amount of expression. So then there's just so much extra value to be communicated that people are just figuring things out. It's a mess because everyone's trying to communicate value. Like, what if this is valuable? What if that's valuable? I don't know. I'm going to throw yeah. a token to this or that. It's just like a big, it's chaos while people figure out how to communicate value in the new kinds of ways. And they're just tokenizing everything in all the wrong ways. And eventually it'll be all the right ways. And that's why we're seeing so much chaos is because it's a giant explosion of like new stuff of the world's never going to be the same kind of like with the internet where everything is online everything's a website everything's an app everything's this and then if you look at how radically different our lives are from 20 years ago thanks to the internet like in a good in a mature and stable way by the way like for example just what we're doing now like a streaming internet show with like people in the live chat all on their phones probably going ticka tacka together just like typing away on their various little apps it's all kind of connected but this is a mature and stable technology but it's still radically different from our lives not too long ago and it's going to be the same thing with you know crypto and nfts and all that stuff mm-hmm. i was recently watching a um an interview of when bill gates was first like proposing like the internet and stuff to people on like a talk show mm-hmm. and it's like you could watch tonight's baseball game on the internet have you ever heard of a radio bill <laughs> It's like, yeah. well, you could rewatch it as many times as you want. Have you ever heard of a tape recorder, Bill? <laughs> it's like, it's like, wow, like people really just did not see that coming at all. And it's like, yeah, like it's the same with a lot of things, but also like the dot com bubble. That's where we are with like NFTs mm-hmm. and metaverse tokens and all this nonsense um, in the dot com bubble. People literally said profits don't matter. Uh, fundamentals don't matter. Nothing matters as long as it's just it's there and it's and it's on like and you can invest in it that's all it takes uh mm-hmm. and, it, and it's and it's all going to go up and that's what people are doing when they come into like bsc altcoin investing and you know all yeah. these like meme coins metaverse all of this is just like it's all nonsense like mm-hmm. a great example is keek vr it was a metaverse token that was just going up and up and up and it was just doing so well and it was like okay so what is this i look at it it's like it's a centralized vr thing for concerts and the crypto is just what you spend to buy the stuff and i was like oh so any crypto could have done this this is not novel to do anything aside from just it's the dash that you're using on this platform like Mm -hmm. when you could have just used dash and it's like that's what a lot of it is like it doesn't even do anything it's not even like useful or novel and it's just people are still throwing all their money at it and it's just so wild to me which also brings me back to like you mentioned a while ago that uh bitcoin's Mm -hmm. dominance is like going down which isn't a bad thing but Mm -hmm. i would still say that if bitcoin goes down in value so is almost every other coin like even Mm -hmm. if we only have 48 percent dominance or whatever it still like leads the market so intensely that 
Like there's no getting out of the Bitcoin's grasp. You can't just be some magical metaverse coin that just gets to go to a thousand X. Well, Bitcoin yeah. is like going down and you don't get to, you don't get to get out of that. You're, you're just as affected by that as anything else. So like none of these are like magical answers to make a million dollars or whatever, you know? Well, that's the funny thing about like, you know, Bitcoin and Bitcoin maxis and stuff is they found a, a critical uh, value use case that wasn't being served in the fiat world. And it has created a lot of value. It has kind of captured a lot of value. And one of the reasons why Bitcoin keeps going up, but dominance keeps going down is because there was, first off, just a natural limit of how much one thing can do. But also just there's so much use case to be captured in other things. Like, for example, with Ethereum running on like defined tokens and stuff, people would do all this stuff on Bitcoin if that was what was available, but they just want to do these things and Ethereum's there for them. And it's kind of going to be the, like the backbone of the financial system of the future. Even if people want, even if all these things are DeFi tokens that are wrapped versions of Bitcoin that they're transacting with, it's still going to be on a different chain. And there's a lot of value to that. And, you know, mm -hmm. as the, that's one of the reasons why Ethereum has kind of kept going up over time has been in, in, in total transaction fees accrued and stuff like 40 million in fees a day or something crazy like that. It's insane just how much. And yeah, I've because, spent like 12,000 yeah. in fees when it's adjusted, sadly. Oh, that's terrible. Hopefully you made more than 12,000 in those swaps or whatever you got out of oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. I would never do it at a loss. I would say 80% of it is just trying to withdraw free tokens that I've earned from uh, yes. from social platforms. So, I mean, so it's always profitable, but it's just like, well, this is taking a huge chunk of my profits for no reason whatsoever, but uh, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and so if you think about the, the crypto booms, I mean, there was, there was Bitcoin, right? The, the digital, decentralized digital money boom. There wasn't really a payment coin boom. That was kind of what Bitcoin was. And then there hasn't been a boom of like, actual payment useful things ever as far as i know but then every other boom is like all right well the ico boom that was on ethereum then that came and went then the DeFi boom that was also on ethereum obviously when a lot of other platforms too but whatever then that came and is still i guess around the nft boom mm -hmm. that's on ethereum every boom is on ethereum now or you know there might be a, a point in the future where there's a boom we just well. had shiba so yeah yeah i mean shiba was you know, the next iteration of the, the shitcoin boom, right? Like the absolute shitcoin yeah. boom. I mean, Doge was, this, it was, happened to be its own chain, but Shiba was part of the Doge boom and again, Ethereum. And how many of those Doge knockoffs, how many of, Do of coin has dog are on Ethereum? Probably a lot. And I wonder what the Now next... there's a bunch of Sheeb versions too. Yeah. Metaverse, possibly big ETH boom. What's the next big thing that's coming around that people are going to like, what about the um, contractual NFT boom in the future? Which it'll mm -hmm. happen at some point where people are going to start putting like real estate contracts on the blockchain and not in a not, not only in a novelty way, but because of the things you can do, because you can sell part parts of that and parts of revenue, like those kinds of things probably going to be on Ethereum unless Ethereum gets supplanted or gets competition from a more nimble uh, competitor in the meantime, but it's probably going to be an Ethereum. And so every big yeah. thing is going to be built on something else. And then 
eventually, you know, you're going to see more diversification out of that. But I don't, I don't see any more Bitcoin booms. That doesn't mean I don't see Bitcoin keeping on going up. It doesn't mean I think that Bitcoin's time at the top is over yet. But Bitcoin kind of like after the El Salvador boom, I think that that's like the last sort of the last hurrah of Bitcoin being a headline stealer rather than just the stable stable pack leader. Although even El Salvador has a lot of their blockchain infrastructure built on Algorand and stuff, which is pretty funny. But that's a different subject for a different video, I'm sure. <laughs> True. I mean, hey, uh, when we get legal tender adopted in other countries and all that stuff, it might mm. be a little bit of a boom, but you know, it's obviously it's not going to be the first country to adopt Bitcoin, so it's not going to be the same. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And speaking to real estate, like yeah, real mm -hmm. is uh, is ERC twenty. I mean, they didn't do NFTs; they did, you know, break a house into ten thousand tokens. It is a unique mm -hmm. token, but uh, they did it just tokenization versus NFTs. So I mean, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier. Not everything has to be an NFT to achieve the same thing that you could achieve. Um, yeah. And Realty is is proof that it works pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. it just might not be like its own unique thing. Like, it's not like this is the bottom left quadrant of the house or whatever as the mm -hmm. NFT. It's just, there's 10,000 shares of the house and you own one, which is simple enough. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the only issue now is like getting paid your rent and stuff like that. I think they're using XDAI, um, mm -hmm. as a workaround there, but yeah, I mean, if you try to sell the house uh tokens obviously there'll be issues with gas fees and stuff but it, it, it's definitely the best solution that i've seen yeah and that's the thing about those things like when you have giant property like motions the thing is that stuff will have to be on something state like nimble and cheap at some point because the ultimate part of that is when every rental agreement for this house for example has a the payment address goes to a smart contract which auto distributes to token holders and that's just literally the way everyone pays their rent the problem is try doing that on ethereum when like you want to pay your like fifteen hundred dollar a month rent and then you got to pay like eighteen hundred because there's three hundred plus in transaction fees just to do that and that that's like or then the token holders for their like 20 bucks a month in rent from this one unit or whatever they get are just going to get shafted on the fees. So mm -hmm. those things at some point would have to be on like a roll up or something, especially because, or a completely different chain. I would, I would say something like Solana, but they keep breaking all the time. So probably not, but yeah, that's like the centralized Ethereum. Yeah. The, I mean like Binance smart chain isn't, but you know, there's, a well, yeah, no, that's this. fair, but at least they're not just turning the chain off. Yeah. So in the, especially because, the odds that people are going to use something like Ethereum as their day-to-day -day money is very low, while at the same mm -hmm. time, the odds that their day-to-day -day money will have to interface with Ethereum at some point is probably very high. So, like, you're going to have to have, like, a ThorChain bridge where you use, like, you pay, and you, you pay, say, Dash, and it swaps the amount to ETH to go into that thing, and of course, then you add the extra time and complexity and cost to that. And then all of a sudden, this awesome idea gets clunky. And so maybe you just have to have a nimble, like 
real estate share chain that's its own thing or it's it's a it's its own side chain or whatever it's its own roll up or whatever the hell it ends up being it's got to be its own thing so that by the time you pay your rent and it auto splits that the fees for the entire thing is just not going to be that that excessive yeah i think speaking to that one of the big things going forward for people to consider is Mm -hmm. like do you want to build on a blockchain that's already like set up and then like build on top of that Mm -hmm. because that's easier or do you want to build something that could maybe work with multiple chains and it's like its own blockchain it's going to take a lot more work up front but uh it'll give you that like flexibility and like you can actually like pivot and do things differently i think that's pretty important because I think a lot of projects are starting to realize this. I mean, even Brave is ERC-20, uh, and that's got all of its problems. So, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of projects going forward are either going to start creating their own chains or, you know, just find a better solution than always just going with, like, a, a token from some other chain. And, and, I mean, I think that's great, and it makes a lot of sense. But if you're trying to do something, like, really big and you got to do you know, more than just what the token can do, then you're probably mm-hmm. going to need your own chain to like really do it right, I would say. Yeah, that's the kind of funny thing with, with Brave because Brave is like we're doing part of this podcast through Brave, right? I love Brave. The browser is great. Their tipping model idea was really good. Uh, their end user mm-hmm. product, as far as I'm concerned, though, is just the browser, not the not the actual token. I have no idea what the yeah. Brave token does today, but it was one of those sort of like early era NFT style things where you didn't really need an ex- to introduce an extra token, and the only way it worked was through a KYC wall like walled garden thing to get to actually use it. Kind of defeats the point of not using dollars to begin with. Unfortunately, that's still kind of the case through Brave Browser. You do need yeah. to have your uphold KYC wallet. So yeah. And then the um, the token being on Ethereum, of course, to actually move the token is pretty insane. I have some Brave floating around that's just not going anywhere because the fees are too high. And I mean, the yeah. beauty of if you do want to use KYC, mm-hmm. like I always just swap it on uphold like with mm-hmm. no fees to swap to dash. And then I just take out my dash. That's yeah. kind of, my, that's my workaround, but yeah. Yeah. And of course the, the sad part about that is uh, the off the, the scaling solution is to use centralized infrastructure, right? Is like, uh, like for example, I, I'm sure you remember from the published zero X days, I still occasionally use them, but um, they're like, Oh, we can only withdraw every once in a while because of fees are so crazy. But will help you it'll be much better if you want to withdraw right to kucoin or you know centralize it because that's where they have their stuff and it's like yeah, yeah. i get that i'm glad that that's there but at the same time it is a little sad that like literally like this cool decentralized idea ended up just turning into like sign up with your centralized provider kind of a thing yeah i mean i've always gotten my stuff just directly because maybe just because mm-hmm. like i earn enough but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's been getting more and more of a of a pain because it's like, okay, well now I need to save up like three months worth of earnings before I go to Uniswap and then lose like half of that in the trade or you know yeah. whatever. Um, so there's definitely issues with that, but I think they're definitely like they're probably taking a lot of hits to be like sending me like five dollars of ample. Like that's probably that's 
not cheap for like ETH fees. So they're probably just losing copious amounts of money. Um, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine, honestly. And, and and I would assume it isn't even profitable because when I used to talk to Dan Bainbridge, I believe his name is, um, the uh, creator and founder, he would mm -hmm. say like, yeah, I mean, a lot of this is just me giving away crypto um, and then getting sponsors and giving away their crypto. So it's mm -hmm. not like they're like making much money. A lot of it is like at a loss. So then there's also the like if ETH 2.0 doesn't solve some of this stuff, I don't know if Publish OX will still be around uh, in a year from now. Yeah, or they got to use a different chain, which is kind of funny with yeah. like pit refill. I mean, luckily it's just donations, right? So they yeah. might be able to just get any other chain. Yeah, that was funny because bit refill, obviously, you know, you could spend on a lot of crypto stuff there. And one of the weirdest things that it ended up, it sounded really weird, but then I kind of wrapped my head around and I'm like, okay, it makes sense. They got, a, they added because of consumer demand, um, USDT Tron, Tether on Tron, which is the most freaking random thing to be adding to like a payment processor. It's like, what the hell is this? I sometimes forget Tron is a thing because I haven't heard it has been headline busting in a while, but it's still there with a lot of activity. And it turns it's out it's very cheap to use. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically it is um, a bunch of people allegedly in Latin America were wanting to get paid in crypto, but wanted like a stable coin. And of course they can't afford like gringo fees, you know, they're on Ethereum. So they just do it on something they can actually afford. And then they just want to spend the money. And it's just like, well, it should have been Bitcoin, but Bitcoin's too slow and expensive and also it fluctuates. So they'd rather have like a dollar for now, but they can't do actual fiat because, you know, fiat has all those barriers. So then they're doing like fake fiat, but they can't do the main tether ones. They got to do this like, you know, cheap knockoff tether thing. And like in a weird kind of a way, it makes this thing make sense. It's kind of strange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say like Tron is like the successful version of EOS, uh, mm -hmm. essentially. Right. It's basically the same thing. They're both main use case has been gambling. Mm. Uh, just Tron is affordable and EOS is not affordable whatsoever. So that's the main difference, really. Yeah, I don't like it's funny because the EOS thing reminds me of voice.com. I'm sorry if I trigger anyone in the live chat by mentioning that name, but like I can't I I'm still wrapping my head around just how much just how much money they had for voice. And it's like, that that's like the ultimate. The most expensive yeah. domain purchase of all time. Yes. Now, the, like. the problem with that is it's not just the domain because they had a lot of money after the domain, but like they threw oh, all yeah. this money into this site, but they were only letting like US users register. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And then um, Hilawi in the live chat says triggered. <laughs> but then it, it just as far as i know it didn't go anywhere like it had a super beta platform that just sucked and then they just went away and now it's just voice.com they're just i don't even know what they're using it for but it was for like well what they're trying to do now i don't know if it's actually fully released but mm -hmm. their new concept is they've re-envisioned voice.com to be an nft social platform where all content is its own NFT. Mm. Complete misunderstanding of NFTs, in my opinion. 
So it's like I post on Twitter and I'm just like, hey, guys, and that's an NFT of itself. It's like, do you invest in my Twitter post or like very confusing, honestly? Yeah, so that's a very interesting. I'm trying to wrap my head around that thing because even dumb ideas come from smart ideas, kind of. And I'm just trying to see if like there's value to that idea. So I think everything being on the blockchain is a good idea. It depends on which blockchain, which way. Like if this person liked that person's thing, I don't think that that action needs to be, that specific action in real time needs to be on a blockchain forever. That can be pruned later as long as the final state of your entire timeline or whatever is recorded. That's fine. Mm -hmm. It just, each action can be pruned at a later date. Um, Now, it, like, remember Jack Dorsey's tweet that sold, but they made into NFT and all that kind of stuff. Like, no, there is yeah. obviously some sort of value to that, or at least temporary speculative kind of value. But what I'm wondering, what I think would be valuable is to be able to turn your tweets into NFTs with a click of a button, but to have them all just in case, right? Like, all commemorating, commemorating this yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone to start out as an NFT is excessive, in my opinion. Like, Because then what's the value? If everything is an NFT, then nothing is an NFT, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's how it works. Like, It's not Mm -hmm. a novel thing if every single person is now doing the thing. It's like, why would I pay for this thing that everyone is doing, right? Like, That would be like paying for like using Twitter... Well, I guess that's almost like Twitch, but um, it it would be like it would be like paying just to like have your posts exist. And it would be like, why would I do this? Like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, but to commemorate one might be like useful. Like, yeah, it's a weird concept that does. It is interesting because um, obviously, if you want like actually decentralized censorship resistant blockchain social media, everything has to be on a chain somewhere. The thing is about being able to mint an NFT out of your post. Like, let's just say, you know, you know, you have some like drunk tweeter. Like, this is the first time you said like. So, for example, people were circulating, uh, people people are circulating like people's first ever Bitcoin tweet, and my first one mm. was like in January of 2013 or something like that. And like that's like, oh, that's cool. Like, I could imagine selling something like that or making an NFT drop out of that for people that care. If they like, if mm-hmm. Roger Ver's first crypto tweet would be very valuable. Me, not so much. I'm just yeah. some jackass who came around in 2012, 2013, right? But like, someone like Roger Ver, that would be valuable. That'd be great to do an NFT. If you have a social media platform that's on chain, on a blockchain, it makes the hosting of the file problem just not even a problem because you can just hit mint NFT and it just references the like on chain post reference to that actual data and there just and there you go if it just it's self-verifying all in the same system and that's kind of cool if you wanted to do that kind of a thing or like yeah i'm actually pulling up um coast.tv because Mm -hmm. they have an option built in where it says like has this video been minted into an nft no (laughs) not yet but you can do it i don't know if it's been built in yet but that's like a big thing for them where it's like right below my video. It says video NFT not minted yet. Um, mm-hmm. So it must be like 
in the midst of being a thing. I don't know exactly how that's supposed to all work, but coast.tv is definitely going to be the the first video platform that I know of that's going to have that because it's very front and center. They're going to definitely be pushing it. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see. Sadly, they run on Theta, so they have approvals for all of your posts. Um, terrible. Still works. Uh, I'm still using it, but I'm just I'm obviously not fond of it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, I mean, we have it, approvals for everything we do on YouTube, I guess. That's a in a way, yeah, a different story. Let's just like wrap up on this last story, just because and I don't really care about the rest of the story, but it's just important. Hong Kong based Coin Super allegedly blocks customers' withdrawals. Five clans reportedly filed police complaints after token withdrawals were apparently halted, leaving them unable to reclaim around 55,000 in cryptocurrency and fiat, which let's be fair. In the crypto world, 55 grand across the whole platform is kind of peanuts, but it's still for the individual user. That's kind of a lot. Um, this mm -hmm. is not because I care about this news story, but just as another reminder of get your coins yeah. off the goddamn exchanges. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's so, so key. I mean, I just made a video recently talking about mm -hmm. staking and lending and how for some reason every exchange just says like stake with us, stake, stake, stake. It's all lending. It's so confusing mm -hmm. that they do this. But uh, for that exact reason, I keep telling people like, no, if you want a stake, do it on a wallet so that they are not holding your coins. Because as we know, when an exchange holds your coins, problems happen. Uh, I'm going to do a video soon where I'm just going to cover every instance where an exchange has been hacked or with tur turn off withdrawals or probably too mm -hmm. many to even find, honestly. Yeah. But like that, that'll be that'll be a fun one. To just continually remind people like do not leave your coins on any kind of exchange or service that requires that they hold them and more importantly that you ask permission to to get them out that's the key thing yeah and i like i'm pretty sure this is something i've talked about before and i don't know the timeline on it i was saying i think it was the last podcast i was talking about like last week i was talking about this and I predicted within like five to 10 years, but uh, the guest said maybe further than that. But I think that centralized exchanges are on their way out because just the DeFi world is taking over so much that like Uniswap has more volume than Coinbase now. And it's like, why? Or Uniswap had more Ethereum volume than Coinbase had Ethereum volume, I think it was. But like now mm -hmm. it's just grown to such an extent that now no one needs a centralized exchange anymore for anything other than to buy fiat, but you don't need to do yeah. or, or to buy with fiat rather, but you don't need an exchange or to withdraw. That. Yeah. You just need a brokerage service like uphold, right? Mm -hmm. Just something where you just, I want to buy it. And then they just like fiat in money out or like a moon pay, which is kind of interesting. Like doesn't MetaMask have like a, a credit card plugin in there or something like that. I'm not sure if it does, um, but, I'm not sure. You know. Maybe I'm talking out my ass. I'll have to look into it later. But like, if you just have like a MoonPay type deal or like a Simplex or whatever integration where you just put in your credit card and then just hit buy and you buy ETH that goes right to your MetaMask and then now you're in now you're in crypto. Like now you don't mm -hmm. need that anymore. Like I'm pretty sure crypto exchanges, like centralized exchanges, are going to be a mix of they just move straight to that. Or they're going to be just big DeFi providers, kind of like Binance Smart Chain. Like, 
Yeah, smart being the key word here because CZ is not about losing money. And he just, at some point, saw the DeFi writing on the wall and was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own DeFi and be at the center of this before my CeFi loses its business. And so everyone who moves to Binance Smart Chain, who leaves Binance to go on the BSC ecosystem, he's not losing money because they're all, he still has part of that money. He just in DeFi. And so I think that's kind of going to be the way of the future is the centralized exchanges where people put, have like balances on these things is just going to be a thing of the past. So if you're a thieving hacker person, you're just going to have to start going after DeFi exploits from now on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and I think like if we can somehow solve like easily, like a, a, a decentralized way to get in and out of fiat to crypto. Mm-hmm. It's like, then it's over. Right. Or if the U S goes through with fed coin and stuff, it'll kind of suck, but it'll be like, all right, well, at least we don't need centralized exchanges ever again. Like, um, ideally if, if they don't like make it impossible to use, cause then it's kind of pointless, but yeah, um, because that's going to be a fun thing is what happens yeah. if they do do like a fed coin or whatever that is in this greater blockchain ecosystem but there's no way it's not going to be permissioned but then in that case are they going to block it from being transacted on DeFi platforms because yeah like there's going to be so many caveats like a lot of people don't know that usdt like tether uh Mm -hmm. can just freeze your wallet or reverse a transaction and they have like complete Mm -hmm. control most people are like what what are you talking about that's insane it's on ethereum ethereum Mm -hmm. is decentralized it's like well (laughs) i mean sorry but like the tether contract uh, apparently yeah so like yeah you you gotta make sure to watch out for that kind of stuff too and i always kind of like it's hard for me to wrap my head around something like a privacy coin but Mm -hmm. it's an erc20 or it's like a bep20 or it's like how does that work because like I could just look at your wallet, see what you're holding, like how private is that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of confusing to me, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's pretty crazy. I, I'm pretty sure. So which kind of like the, the shower thought of the day that sort of popped in there is like, um, I can't wait till law school starts teaching solidity because yeah. how many contracts are going to be in written in solidity instead of in like legal terms and paper documents or whatever in the future. Every if, job will include programming in the future, right? Yeah. Well, not just that, but like specifically on contracts because contracts will be like built into smart contracts. And instead of finding like legal loopholes and stuff, it's like you just find an exploit in the contract. And then, you know, no one's going to like your rental agreement is just going to be in solidity because then you just like mm-hmm. pay and you get the key. Like, you get issued an NFT. Like even your HR person is like hiring yeah. you through like a contract and like, yeah, it'd be wild. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. That's probably a good point to wrap this whole thing up on. Uh, thanks for coming on. Happy birthday. Uh, hope you got a couple little coins at least from that thing. Anyone who, yeah. let me just do a final super chat check to make sure no one's like left out in the, um, um, in the, in the cold. Sometimes Cointree lags behind the actual like blockchain. So if you have, if, oh, okay, if you know your addresses or whatever, you can check like a mobile wallet, then you could check that. But yeah. otherwise, yeah, yeah. you know, people will just send you stuff. So where do people go to find out about all the glorious stuff you're working on? 
Yeah, you can find all of my links uh, at www.scottcbusiness.com. That also has my Cointree links and all my like referrals and stuff. If you want to check those stuff out, uh, you can find me on every platform at Scott C Business. And if I'm not on there, uh, it's probably just under crypto and things. I'm basically mm-hmm. on every platform. And if I'm not, let me know because I should be. Yeah, th- um, that's that's his branding. He, he doesn't want to be off brand. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, no, uh, thank you so much for uh, for having me on. Thank you, everyone, for uh, any donations you sent. I haven't like checked all of them, but I'll like I'll, I'll check it after and like respond or whatever. And uh, yeah, I'm, I turned 27 on uh, on nice. Sunday. So, yeah, I'm trying to trying to retire before 30, ideally, if uh, if everything close. can play out perfectly. But if not, I've guaranteed that I will retire in 10 years or less. That's kind of my thing. So by 35 yeah. at the at the latest 40 is the new 30 at least that's what i keep telling myself as i'm getting closer and closer there but <laughs> you know it goes oh yeah so everyone follow his stuff subscribe to his stuff as i always say like i i probably need to expand the crypto shows that i watch but like i watch scott's stuff and i watch naomi brockwell's stuff and other than them and like my the stuff i put out like that's where i learn most of the stuff that i do like for example, Ken Bozak's channel learned a ton of NFT type stuff, but it's the giant breadth of content that just all the live shows he does. Like I, it's it's not as useful. Like I rarely watch his stuff just because of I just go on his show and ask him stuff. That's a lot easier to get the information. But I get yeah. to learn a lot from Scott's videos, so make sure you subscribe to him. And of course, I always learn from Naomi's stuff. So uh, much appreciated. Thanks everyone for watching. Uh, Cointr.ee/slash/scottcbusiness. Drop him any random shit coins that he accepts there that you have some collecting mold or whatever in your wallet. Go throw him some of those. And now it's time for the after party, which I usually only do after the Dash podcast dates, but I'll do one tonight too, where anyone can just, it's kind of like a hangout like this, except it's not recorded. It's as many people as you want. And yeah, just ping me, DM me. I'm up the desert links everywhere, like Twitter, Telegram. I'm on Discord, you know, Facebook too, although that's kind of weird. No one, no one watching this is on Facebook. Hopefully, but <laughs> I am. But and then just ask to get in the after party. We'll let you in, and yeah, we'll we'll have a nice little chat. Thanks everyone for watching. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and donate to support the show by going to my CoinTree page. That's cointr.ee/slash/thedesertlinks, and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with Shop and Bit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.